In our CEOs and CSR series, we sit down with for-profit leaders to discuss their philosophy on giving and how they go about building their organization's corporate social responsibility strategy. In this episode, we interview Brian Ford, co-founder of For Purpose, a company modernizing what it means to make a difference so that anyone could do it. Alrighty, so thanks everybody for tuning into this episode. Today we have Brian Ford, who's a co-founder of For Purpose, and he is a podcast host of Self-Improvement Daily. Brian, thank you so much for your time today. Joseph, I'm honored. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. So this is our monthly uh, CEOs and CSR series, where we interview um, executives and leaders of for-profit organizations. Um, in this case, For Purpose is going to be the organization we'll talk about. Um, and the topics we will cover are giving back, uh, your philosophy on corporate social responsibility, um, how it's developed maybe over your career, or your life, um, and how do you plan and do you plan on in integrating it into what you do on a daily basis for your company and for your podcast. So uh, why don't we just dive right in, Brian, what is um, For Purpose? Let's start there. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, I mean, For Purpose uh, has got a huge vision. And of course, you got to start somewhere in order to materialize that. But really, the, the overarching vision for what we're hoping to do at For Purpose is to modernize what it means to be a philanthropist so that everyday people within their means feel like they're empowered to contribute. And, and that's because there's kind of this definition of the philanthropist being that you have to reach a certain level for it to actually count, right? You have to uh, donate a certain amount to get your name on the wing of a hospital, or you've got to be awarded the human humanitarian of a year for your volunteerism to actually count, right? There's kind of like these almost achievements that are associated with philanthropy that bias a lot of people in their relationship with what it means to give back. So our mission is to make philanthropy and making a difference more approachable, more accessible, and more fun to do, whereas people really integrate it into their lifestyle and their being of who they are, rather than feeling like they're transacting with it at the end of the year, or that it's a tax write-off, whatever it might be. It's a disservice to a lot of the causes that we hope to serve and our own intention to give if we uh, relate with it that way. So the way that For Purpose really expresses that mission is we organize movements in specific cause areas that anyone can be a part of, giving them a clear call to action so that they can say, okay, I want to support vets. I want to support mental health. I want to support, you know, name cause X. What is the entry point to this? What is the best way? Like how, who should I support and how do I get involved? A lot of those objections come up and cause a paralysis by analysis. People get stalled and stuck yeah. because they don't have the answers to those questions themselves and therefore nothing happens. So what we do is we convert the intention to give into action by giving them a clear vehicle and way to express that intention so that they can be a part of something larger that has a lot of the causes. They're all vetted and third party approved. You, what's expected of you is within your interests. It meets you right where you're at. And then that's, you know, helping to activate people into the level of philanthropy that they hope to, but now it's doing it in a more natural and engaging way. So that's really the heart of what we do at For Purpose. We try and meet people where they're at so that they can make a difference exactly where they are in the ways that they already enjoy. Um, and just trying to democratize that access a little bit more. All right. Thanks for that background. So we're going to get into that. But I, I, the question I always ask after hearing the mission is why you? Why is this a task and in, in um, something that you wanted to uh, dive into? Yeah. So, I mean, my, my story and kind of the arrival of 
my dedication to this just comes from the privilege that I realized that I've had throughout my entire life. You know, I grew up in a very affluent background um, in Newport Beach, California, where I got a car when I turned 16. And I assumed that everyone got a Mercedes and went to college and had, you know, money ready to go. And that's just the bubble that I grew up in. And then I left high school and my hometown and went to college. And I realized that it was not that way. There were many people with different experiences. And in fact, you know, I played uh, college soccer, actually. And one of my best friends to this day, his name's Chris, he came from a much different background where he uh, he grew up in kind of the hood of Sacramento. It's called Natomas. And he just had a different lens that he saw the world through. You know, he graduated high school, um, but he did so by meeting the minimum requirements. And he wasn't even eligible to go to a four-year school because his guidance counselor was so just committed to getting him to graduate. That was the milestone for him. So he had to like take summer school classes just to go to college. Meanwhile, I came from Newport Beach and 95% of people are going to four-year institutions and you know, there's no questions asked about that. So I kind of had this bubble breaking moment of like, man, I'm on this college soccer team. Chris is on this college soccer team. And here we are coming from very different backgrounds, but we objectively achieve the same thing, which is a scholarship to play here at this place. And, you know, we're kind of in the same life space now. And I, I had that moment of realization to say, wow, there is a huge gap in terms of opportunity and access that I wasn't aware of that I became aware of. And that's where um, I became really inspired to respond in a positive way to say, okay, well, with my privilege and elevated platform and the opportunity that I have in front of me, how can I use this and direct this to help other people who didn't necessarily inherit the same good fortune that I did? Um, and that's kind of where I, you know, it started with um, a volunteer website where I kind of collaborated with the social impact department on campus to be able to make uh, volunteer opportunities more accessible, and then started weaving uh, just kind of different elements of philanthropy into my own uh, work until I really solidified this idea for purpose and brought on my co-founders, which was around how do we make philanthropy sexy? How do we make it fun? How do we make it enjoyable? How do we make it engaging? And kind of it was a, a, a criticism to the way that social media really directs attention these days, where it's like you flaunt your watch or the beach house or, you know, the hot partner or whatever it might be, because that's the status symbol. And it's like, why can't philanthropy be a similar status symbol where you communicate your value and what you care about? Uh, but through more productive means. Um, so that's kind of where it really we aligned and, and kind of built around that core idea of, hey, there's a lot of people that are seeing this the wrong way, maybe not the most um, positive way. And how can we be a part of rewriting this story and and making it uh, one that more people can be a part of? So that's, that's yeah. how I kind of got into the space. Awesome. In, in, in terms of rewriting the story and going back to what you mentioned of in your intro, when you talked about the mission is debunking a lot of the myths of you have to give X amount of dollars or X amount of time for it to be impactful. Uh, it sounds like there's such high expectations that humans have of themselves in the nonprofit space. <laughs> what do you think was the cause or the inception of that? And, and how are you working through for purpose to, to kind of debunk some of that and, and get people um, just removing the barriers of, of entry for stuff like this? Totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that we're in this kind of polarizing world where you got to take a side and you've got to stand for something. You got to be full in and committed. You know, it's about goal setting and it's about like, what do you stand for? And people put a lot of pressure on getting that decision right. So you do your research and you spend your time. What is my purpose? And a lot of people are just delayed waiting for that thing to come to them that they can fully buy into and commit to because that's just kind of the exaggerated culture that we live in. Whereas the only way that you arrive at that conclusion is to actually allow yourself to test and experiment and taste and be out there and doing it and kind of in the energy of it to then figure out what worked better for you versus what didn't. 
So that's, that's what I'm seeing is hanging a lot of people up is they're like, oh, I need to find my purpose. So they do a lot of journaling and brainstorming and ideating around that concept where it's like, no, how about you go out in the field? How about you go talk to people? How about you get like in the flow of doing it? And then you'll just start iterating towards your purpose, you know? And also I think, you know, taking the pressure off one more level is it's not that you have one purpose in life. You can have a purpose for the next month, for the next quarter, for the next year, for the next decade of your life. And if things change, your interests change, that's okay. You know, you were telling me beforehand about kind of Amazon's policy, which is the one-way door or the two-way door. It's like, don't put so much pressure that you can't return back to where you were or that you can't change your mind on things. It's you absolutely can. And that's part of the evolution of us being humans. And especially as, you know, your life evolves and you have kids and you have new responsibilities, like your interests, your passions will develop as well. And um, instead of trying to wait for that equilibrium, that is the perfect fit for every circumstance of your life to be struck. What you can do is just dynamically evolve that equilibrium and find the right fit for you in the current moment and take action on that, right? So my my like mission statement is converting human intention into action. So it's like you have an idea of who you want to be, the difference you want to make in the world. How do you do something about it? And how do you get, generate the results about that? Um, and that's kind of where I see a lot of people are hung up and not getting into action because they have the intention to put too much pressure on exactly what that intention is meant to do. Yeah, it, it reminds me of the uh, Eleanor Roosevelt quote of, of comparison is a thief of all joy. And, and and I think there's some truth to that. And I think there's also some falsehood to that because I come from a, from a sports background as well. And I remember growing up, you'd you'd look up to the, the college students when you're in high school and the professional students when you're in college. Um, and that comparison could be healthy in, in the motivating aspect of it, but also um, it could be you know, negative. And this is kind of that, that, that polarization, I think example as well. Um, and in, in the nonprofit space, like you said, in the beginning, like you have to donate X amount of dollars, you have to, 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 to spend 40 hours a week in volunteering. Um, how have you seen a, an individual person's journey go from, um, uh, journaling to actually taking action in, in Second part of that question, is it like being able to more intrinsically uh, reflect and, and not be as influenced by that the external factors? Or is there some external factors that you have to kind of bake into actually taking that action and, and, and having that intention? kind of a long question, but (laughs) yeah, well, there's, and there's two different things to kind of touch on. One is more in my like self-improvement behavior change, personal development background, and one's more of the social impact background. So the first, so with the social impact side, because that's what we're talking about. Um, So we were talking about the pressure a little bit. um, And I think that pressure also connects to like a resistance to gain clarity and um, a difficulty in defining exactly what the task is in front of you. So part of the opportunity of transitioning someone from intention to action is just to open their mind and broaden their perspective as to this is what might be right for me instead of seeing it. And you're even mentioning it, you're alluding to it, right? It's, you know, we, we say it's how many dollars you donate, how many hours you volunteer. It's like, those are two expressions of philanthropy. And there are many that people don't realize they're already doing that if they were to start giving credit to that, they'd be like, Oh wait, I am more philanthropic. I am more impactful. I am making more of a difference than I already realized. And just like kind of that perspective shift and that redefinition helps people to then embrace that same philosophy in the new things that they're doing as well. So it's, it's starting to broaden exactly what it means to make a difference and having people see that they're already doing it more than they thought they were. 
Um, that's kind of the first side. And, and it really is just kind of a momentum building and uh, kind of like ceiling shattering moment of like, oh, okay, I'm starting to get it. And it doesn't need to be so different or so interruptive in my normal routine to do this. I just need to have a little more focus and intention around what I'm doing to deliver on this that much more fully, you know? So that's the first side of things is just kind of that redefinition. And that is more of the internal psychological beliefs side of the equation. Then more on the practical, tactical, personal development side of things, it's all about your environment, right? So your environment and wherever you place yourself, that's going to be a primary influencing factor in whatever you tend to do, right? Jim Rohn has the quote, which is you are like the five people you spend the most time with, you know? So when was the last time you audited your social circle and you really like were intentional about who you're becoming? That's part of upgrading and identifying and evolving your environment, right? So environment is a huge factor. And the same thing kind of goes for your philanthropy is once you get around similar people are doing these things, once you set up your schedule, which is an environment, right? You set up your schedule and you carve out time for these things. Like you can actually start pushing yourself into these more philanthropic activities rather than, you know, like exerting yourself that much more to try and find them when you set up your environment, make it conducive to you doing the behaviors yeah. that you want, right? That's true for exercise. That's true for eating healthy. That's true for prioritizing key relationships. And that's true for, for philanthropy. You know, it's all about behavior change. And, you know, I've, I've got a whole tirade about, you know, kind of <laughs> how discipline is not willpower and, you know, kind of the relationship that the two are meant to play. That's a similar redefinition to what we're talking about with, you know, philanthropy being more broad, discipline is more broad and environment is a huge part of discipline. Um, so, so yeah, those are kind of the two recommendations that I would give to people that are looking to, you know, kind of more effortlessly, uh, get involved in social impact. Yeah. Um, continuing on that, it, it, building off the example that you had in, in college of, of your peer who came from a completely different background, um, and, 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 and environment and a lot of those things, obviously you couldn't control, especially at a young age. Now in this example, we're adults. How do you work with people to differentiate what they can control versus what they can't control in terms of environment, in terms of friend group? Um, I feel like that's one of the barriers that I've seen of of people getting engaged in the nonprofit industry um, is is there's some 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 mental barriers there sometimes of control versus not control. <laughs> yeah, so I'll equate that to a Jack Canfield uh, formula, which I think ties into this well, which is E plus R equals O. So event plus response equals outcome. So there's a lot of events that are out of your control, right? And those are the circumstances of life. Those are the things that you inherit. They are just around you. And sure, you could influence those things and you can, you can kind of have your say in some of those events, but a lot of them are just simply out of your control. What is never out of your control is your response, right? This is the internal perception of events. So in that way, and that's when people talk about, you know, 100% ownership of your life, like you are in control of your destiny, that's because we always are in control of our response. So any external event that happens to us, it doesn't leave that internal imprint until we decide exactly what that imprint is. And a lot of the times that happens unconsciously and the outcome then is something negative that we wouldn't choose because we aren't controlling our response. But that is kind of the, the primary opportunity for us to be able to shape our external environment is to then decide what is the internal representation. And that's why it's E plus R equals O. The outcome is not the event. The outcome is your response to the event. And in that way, you always are in control of everything that's happening to you, but you're not always in control of the event itself. So that's, that's kind of the relationship. And, and that's where people talk about mindset and perspective. And like, that is your response. It's your default patterned way of integrating information and making sense of it, you know? Um, so 
just really being able to focus up on what what is the response that I choose? Who do I want to be? How do I want to navigate this? How do I want to show up within this? That ends up being the um, that ends up being kind of like the gold standard that you get to then lean back on to say, yep. all right, I am in control of my life and I get to choose the outcome because I'm always choosing the response. Yeah. Well, um, great. That's that's great. And now uh, it, it's I have a feeling that a lot of these philosophies that you're sharing that you have are baked into what for purpose is in, in the programming and the activities that you're doing to get people engaged. So let's let's talk about for purpose. How are you integrating a lot of this into um, your company and, and how are you kind of rethinking how to get people engaged and, and maybe provide some examples too of um, to, to, to make it a little relevant? Sure. Yeah. So, um, just being really practical about human behavior, right? So I'm, I just am fascinated by people, you know, my expertise in the personal development side is, is behavior change and subconscious transformation, particularly, you know, so I like really try and understand where people are coming from and the biases of their evolutionary past and the path of least resistant, the loss, least law, least effort, like all these different factors that come to play when it comes to our, you know, reality of how we live as humans. So with that in mind, being really practical about hum how humans are and how they operate, that's what we really try to implement into the design of the things that we do it for purpose, which is how do you make the barrier to entry as low as possible? Because the more perceived energy that's required, the less likely someone is to do it. And how do we get empathetic about the potential um, challenges, roadblocks, obstacles that someone might experience? How do we solve those problems for them before they even know that they're encountering it, right? So a lot of what we do is and i'll put it together kind of in a campaign to have more of like a tangible example of it but a lot of what we do is we put ourselves in the shoes of someone who is brand new to wanting to make a difference they have the intention they have the inspiration maybe they're motivated to kind of put themselves out of their way but we know that that motivation doesn't last how do you put someone into a proven just turnkey pathway that they can go from a to z and feel like they contributed in a really meaningful way to something um, and that's where we do all of the heavy lifting to figure out those specific considerations, those criteria, those those problems that they're experiencing to then be able to provide that path and make it as seamless as possible. So the example of that is a campaign that we organize uh, called Burpees for Vets, which is this Veterans Day campaign related to activating the fitness industry to express their intention to do something meaningful for Veterans Day, you know. And the fitness enthusiast already has the desire and intention to honor military heroes. Um, and also they probably want to do something fitness related because that's just their interest. That's what they do. So why yeah. don't we just merge those two things and create a campaign and give them this call to action, this package to say, hey, this is what you can do. And this is the difference that it makes when you do it. So, you know, basically the campaign is a peer to peer fundraiser where you raise as many dollars as you can from your friends and family. And you tell them, hey, for every dollar I fundraise, I'm going to do a burpee. I'm going to do a burpee. So, so donate $50, donate $100, donate $500. I'm going to do one burpee for every dollar that you donate to my campaign. Now it's a win because like, okay, cool. I have this, like this achievement in a you know veterans day workout that feels really good. I love doing this. I love pushing myself in this way. And now there's this philanthropy that's connected to it. But not only that, it's that you, we actually have curated the nonprofits that benefit from this specific campaign, right? So there's yep. a full story that we've been able to vet and articulate about the highest leverage opportunity to impact lives in the military community is upon veteran transition. So we have five different nonprofits in the three pillars of veteran transition, which is 
uh, mental wellness, workforce development, community building, right? We, we go through the programs of our partner nonprofits, make sure that they're delivering on those core criteria. And then we communicate that to the person that's looking to fundraise to say, Hey, you can do this fitness challenge. This is where it's going. This is why it's going there. And here are all the resources you need. Send these text templates, these email blasts, post these things on social media, get involved in these ways overcoming a lot of those friction points for them in advance so that now you just have this package of like, oh, okay, I get what I'm doing. I get what's expected of me. I'm going to have fun doing this too. Now let me just execute myself. And then we also provide that kind of fundraising, coaching and accountability and stuff like that. So that's how we really distill this kind of philosophy of meeting people where they're at, lowering the barrier to entry, doing the work for them so that they can go and bring the asset that we don't have, which is the network of their network, right? Like that's really what our campaigns help to do is to access new audiences and new groups and new people and get them in this conversation a little bit more than they otherwise would have because we've just put it on a plate for them, you know, and that they can accept the the kind of the vehicle that we've built for them. So, um, so that's kind of what we think about um, when it, in some of the criteria and like real decisions that we're making, how do we make this user experience as easy as possible, as impactful as possible for the average consumer or donor in this case? Um, but that's not to say that the campaigns have to be fundraising related. You know, we have a mental health project that is also about contributing your own story and, you know, kind of providing a library of perspective so that other people who've experienced something like you, they can learn from your experience. And now they have a point of reference that helps them feel less lonely in what they're experiencing. And it doesn't require a dollar from you. It just requires you contributing your story and doing so in a very cohesive way to make a difference. You know, so that's how we're trying to diversify that call to action. Of course, fundraising is one of the predominant ways that people think of making a difference and it's absolutely yeah. needed, but there's other ways to be able to contribute that we want to tap into, which then gives people that foot in the water to say, okay, let me dive into this cause area. What else can I do? And then that's when they start really tasting their purpose and, and honing in on that a little bit better. Wow. And how, how has it been? How has the execution of, of these, uh, these programming been? Like, have you, have you, have you been able to track like the participation and the impact at all, or is it kind of newish in terms of, uh, getting the data? Yeah, no, I mean, we have really good data on the participation and we're, um, it's outstanding, I guess is the, the quick way of saying it. You know, it's, we're, the feedback that we're getting is, wow, I have never been a part of something that was so easy and so meaningful. What else do you have for me? Right? Because people, <laughs> as as little as they're willing to admit it, people don't, um, <laughs> people don't want to go first. They want to be told what to do. <laughs> they would never admit it, but people do want to be told what to do. And especially with philanthropy, it's like, oh, this is something that I can tap into that's meaningful and that serves this cause area in a way that I want to. Then you, you know, you kind of give them that idea. You know, and that's where um, we can help kind of convert that latent potential of, I want to do something, but I don't know what you give them that specific way. And then they're excited to pursue it. And that's actually consistent. I haven't made this connection before. That's consistent with the market research we've done related to what is the primary reason that people do get involved in campaigns. And, and the reason is, oh, because someone that I care about is doing it and they care about yeah. this. So I care about it too. So people are looking for inspiration ideas from other people rather than within themselves because there is so much pressure on this. Oh, what's my purpose? What am I committing to? I can do this more casually. So if, if that's an acceptable outlet for them to get involved and into action, then so be it. But just being able to leverage that social dynamic and kind of the culture around choosing your philanthropy um, and being practical about that, um, that's something that's just really important to be intentional about. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think like you said in early on in this conversation, it's, it's just getting your, getting your feet wet and getting your hands dirty, just getting involved in something. And you don't have to, 
committing to one volunteer event doesn't mean that you have to commit to that organization for the rest of your life. It's just like try out a lot of different organizations and see what they're about and and, and do volunteer events if there are a few hours or a day. Um, it, it's not that it, the perception that it has to be a huge lift is is absolutely wrong. Um, and and I'm, I'm very happy to see that you guys are, are building programming around how to get people involved. Um, okay, so we covered the history, current state. What, what's kind of your vision? What do you hope five years from now for purpose looks like? Yeah, no, it's exciting. I'm going to enjoy this. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so no, so for purpose, again, like kind of the North star, the, the why hasn't changed, which is we want to make impact more accessible for everyday people, meet them where they're at and being able to convert that intention to give back into action where more problems are being solved, more people are participating and they're doing so and they're telling their friends about it, right? Because they're enjoying it so much. It's adding so much value to their life. They, they find the fulfillment in it, not to mention the lives that they're changing because of it, right? And that's where philanthropy also needs to, it, it's okay that it makes you feel good. A lot of people kind of, and that's the conversation about the anonymous donor and stuff like that for another time. Yeah. Um, but kind of the, the vision for, for purpose and kind of this ecosystem that we're hoping to build is um, being able to have a really diversified and robust series of calls to action that anyone can plug into, which is exactly what you described. Hey, I just want to get involved in a smaller capacity. Don't want to make any major commitments, but you know, a couple hours or a couple weeks of effort just to be involved. And then like, I can confidently leave it without kind of the commitment next to it to be able to provide just a full suite of those potential campaigns. Um, so that's, that's really what we're building out as more of like a programmatic side and like the vehicles of things. But then beyond that, the larger mission is to convert that intention into action. And people do have some, or a subset of people do have some causes on their heart, some change that they want to see. And they go off and they, you know, maybe make their own nonprofit about it. Um, maybe they, you know, um, start organizing their own fun run campaign, whatever it might be, right? So it's like people have their own outlets for that. But imagine what else would be possible if they had the resources and network and know-how of a group that's done it before. How much would that accelerate that impact being delivered to the world? So one of the things that I'm really excited to start materializing is a social impact incubator. So instead of like an entrepreneurial ecosystem where you come in and you get all of your best practices to fundraise and incorporation and find your avatar and, you know, and I've, I was in social entrepreneurship and you know, I'm an advisor and mentor and, and for a lot of social entrepreneurs through some of the work I do and applying that exact same philosophy in the social impact space, which is this is the change that I want to see in the world. Okay, well, have you thought about addressing it in these ways? Have you thought about, you know, building out these partnerships and like being able to provide this container for that person that's emerging as a purpose driven leader, give them the yeah. resources to be able to step in a little bit better and a little more fully to that intention. Um, and even to like make it sexy and fun, like entrepreneurship, which is here's your pitch nights, and you're going to vote on it. And like, here's your 50k, you know, kind of like, um, you know, financing, like just like catalyst to be able yeah. to build out this resource or to do this thing, whatever it might be, but all of it being directed toward these kind of more nonprofit and programmatic opportunities. So I see that being something that I'm really excited about. And then of course, naturally growing a community around that of people that are then inspired by each other, engaging with each other, lifting each other up, you know, pushing each other to be better um, and, and to just accelerate their own personal philanthropy too. Awesome. Well, good luck. That sounds that sounds like an amazing resource that that will be available. It sounds like soon for for these social entrepreneurs, social impact yeah. entrepreneurs. 
yeah, the one thing I wrote down that that I wanted to bring up that but I haven't yet, um, and we're kind of running short on time is uh, you also run a podcast called Self Improvement Daily. What is that about? And it, from what I've heard, it's it's a pretty serious and long running and uh, listened to podcast. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's great. Um, so per, yeah, so Self Improvement Daily is a a three minute personal development podcast where every single day, haven't missed a day in almost five years now, Jeez. every single day I share a little tidbit insight related to a personal development experience, a story and something I observed, something that I read, a new thought that I had. And it's just really my way of integrating the things that I'm learning and experimenting with and becoming an expert on and then reproducing it for other people. And that's kind of where the consistent voice is really helpful for someone to, to be able to figure out exactly what it means for them. And instead of me trying to be, you know, at the top of the mountain, just decreeing, this is how it is and what you should do. I'm sharing my experience of like, hey, this is how it's working for me. And these are my challenges with this. And this didn't work for me for these reasons. And oh, this is a new way of looking at that. And doing so consistently every single day um, has just been part of my own personal development, holding me accountable to applying and implementing the things that I've learned. So that's been the, the greatest benefit of it is uh, is just my own growth that's come as a byproduct of it. But, you know, kind of more formally, it's, you know, it's over 16 million downloads and I've thousands of people that listen to it every single day and, you know, coaching programs built out of it and stuff like that. And what I'm realizing is um, kind of the hierarchy of what I'm hoping to inspire in people is first is if you show up every single day for your self-improvement, you listen to this two, three minute podcast episode, you're reminding yourself, you're reinforcing the belief that you have about yourself, that you have a growth mindset, that things are not yeah. fixed, that you can improve. And whether you learned anything or not, it's just the rep of reminding yourself of that and prioritizing that is one of the first benefits of just even showing up to the podcast. And then, of course, there are insights and I try and make it as actionable as possible on the back end so that people can follow through and, and kind of make decisions that benefit their lives and then start stepping people up in terms of complexity and uh, commitment in what they're really hoping to develop about themselves. And, uh, and that's really kind of what self-improvement daily has come to represent is just this process. It's this evolving dynamic, uh, <laughs> representation of my own self-growth that other people are listening to and being inspired by to, to inform their own. Awesome. Also sounds extremely impactful. So listeners that want to get engaged, uh, with for purpose, where should they go? <laughs> and yeah, what type so of for engagement for purpose, for, usually? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so for for purpose, um, we're actually redoing our website right now. Depending on when this goes live, it should be done. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's just forpurpose, F-O-R-purpose.com. Uh, we'll have just a little bit of an explanation around what we do as an agency, the different partners that we have, and then also opportunities for individuals to be able to plug into some of the vehicles that we're creating um, that are impactful. Um, so that's what I'd recommend. And then, you know, feel free if there's anything about this that, re that um, you know, really resonated with you, you can just reach out to me directly. It's Brian, B-R-I-A-N at forpurpose.com. Um, we're always open to ideas and really try and build, um, you know, connective tissue and collaboration within the sector. Um, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We just need to connect the people that want to do the stuff that's already out there and just make it all flow a little bit better. So we see ourselves more as a catalyst and connector rather than a, a true builder. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so that's, that's that side. And then on the podcast, what you know, I'd encourage people to do is just go to self-improvement daily in your favorite, um, you know, podcast browser, give one episode a listen. And, uh, if you feel like it's something that benefits you, um, in the description for most episodes, there's a, a little, um, 
an opt-in, a PDF I'll send you. That is the seven fundamentals to self-improvement that if you are just getting started in your personal development journey, that's exactly where you need to start. And it has specific episodes from the past that highlight those lessons so that you can start really accelerating your growth in the right way. Um, and you build that, that correct infrastructure that can support you in, in your next steps. Awesome. Well, Brad, I really appreciate your time and, and the work you're doing is amazing and for purpose and, and with self-improvement daily. We wish you the best of luck and people that are listening, get engaged, do a little research, see if it's something that will remove barriers for you to get involved. Um, if you've been wanting to or itching to give back in, in, in some way. And, um, and yeah, Brian, really appreciate the time. Is there anything you want to leave us with before we wrap up? Uh, usually a question I asked to, to end the episode, maybe something that we'd missed or some insights that you want to share. No, I mean, I think we covered a, a good width of it. Um, just want to acknowledge you and what you guys are doing um, to be able to provide that same accessibility, that same conversation to be able to kind of lead people into the space. It's a, uh, it is collaboration and, you know, these problems get solved and these people get activated through multiple angles, multiple voices. And, you know, just, uh, just want to acknowledge you for everything that you're doing. So appreciate that. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate that. All right. Of course. Well, good. Thank you everyone for tuning into this episode and um, we'll post all the links of where you could find for purpose and self-improvement daily uh, in the show notes. And thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning into this episode. If you know of a great organization or individual leaving a positive impact, we'd love to tell their story. Check us out and contact us at gtzp.org. Don't forget, for more stories like this, you could also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Instagram followers are link trees in the bio. And for podcast listeners, we are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks for listening and see you again soon.